Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Light fuse. I need your help. I'm too set on wall. I'm jumping out a window. You've never seen me very upset. Meet the IMF. Hello, Sophia. Hi, Parth. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm a little shaken up. We had such a little snafu of whether or not we'd be able to record. Um, listeners, uh, we've been recording in Sophia's home basement, um, and uh, I thought that I had forgotten the adapter for the mic to my laptop, and um, it turns out that that had not happened. And because that has not happened, I'm able to ask you, Sophia, what have you been eating most recently? Most recently, as per usual, I had a bagel with avocado and an egg. That is a very classic Sophia meal of late. It is. I eat it almost every single day. What can I say? Yeah. What have you been eating, Parth? Thank you for asking. I most recently had a Ferrero Rocher um, chocolate thing. Oh, fancy yeah. guy over here. Yeah, I forget where we got it from at my house, but um, we have a whole like box of them. Wow. Riveting stuff. I know that the craft services, the service heads out there um, are intrigued by this. Um, But maybe it's time to cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week, we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we are not talking to somebody that worked on a picture, but we are continuing our mini series. Um, of Sophia and I talking about the Mission Impossible series uh, in the lead-up to the newest movie. This week we are talking about Mission Impossible 2, the Jean Wu one. Um, I don't know why I said Jean, but uh, it's John John Wu. Um, And Sophia, I'm wondering what your 10-word synopsis of this movie is going to be. We watched it just last night. Tom Cruise. (laughs) Are they all going to start with that? Probably. Fights bad guys hmm. with an illness and love. <laughs> yeah, well, the official synopsis off IMDb is IMF agent Ethan Hunt is sent to Sydney to find and destroy a genetically modified disease called Chimera. Yeah. Which is, like, true, but I think the and love portion of your synopsis is very important. This is a very emotional movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, And Sophia, what is the budget and box office of this movie? So the budget for this film, a little higher than the last one, 120 mil. Oof. But the box office was $546.4 million. Not bad at all, Mr. Cruz. not too bad. Good investment here. Bringing the big buckaroos. Um, This was a smash hit? Surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into that. Um... 
So to get into our production history, Cruz had a rule to not do sequels at the time, but, but Cruz had a rule to not do sequels at the time, but was intrigued by the idea of the Mission series as a franchise. He approached It's definitely funny to think of Tom Cruise as being opposed to sequels as now I feel like he's known as somewhat of a sequel guy. Yeah, I mean, he's only ever made sequels to Mission and now one to Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And he did one sequel to Jack Reacher. Um, that's a lot of sequels. But, like, though. yeah, but I mean, that's... But, like, compare that to, like, other actors yeah. of, of late. Um, um, and even of his time. Like, that's... It is funny that he was a original film kind of guy. So he approached Brian De Palma to direct the sequel, director of the first movie, but he refused. After this, he approached Oliver Stone to helm the sequel, who accepted... And this is a pretty uh, wild um, movie that would have happened. So this version of the script involved Ethan running off to Vietnam to follow a villain that was collaborating with a supercomputer that was attempting world domination. He would be captured and kept in a simulation chamber called the Evolution Room, where he would hallucinate that he was in the Garden of Eden and debate the nature of reality with the child of the millennium. That sounds like a movie I'd like to see. Yeah. Um, this child would then transform into a monster that Ethan would battle psychologically to end the simulation. That's bizarre. This sounds a lot like um, Jason X. Yeah. There's a simulation in that, which and that, that's a film we recently watched. Also a film we recently covered on Eye of the Duck, which I did research for. And again, uh, this is all research I did on their mission miniseries, and you should go check it out because this is a condensed version. So obviously this film version of the film died in development and Cruz started courting directors again and this led to him choosing John Woo. Paramount hired writers Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga onto Cruz and Wagner's radar. Um, the screenwriting duo came up with the basic story and action beats in the final film. Cruz then brought on Robert Town, who worked on the previous film, to write three drafts of the script with Cruz and most of the dialogue in this movie is Robert Town, which... Um, yeah. Um, production was supposed to begin March of 1999, but was delayed by three weeks due to script issues. After all these pre-production troubles, however, they were finally able to begin filming on April 18th, 1999. So the opening rock climbing sequence was was filmed in Moab, Utah. Shout out Utah, former (laughs) home of Trent Algar, general co-host of this show. Um, but not today. Not today and not for the next four weeks. Um, the film was originally meant to cut straight to the title sequence after the, after the plane crash, but Cruz felt the opening was not going to be exciting enough. Um, and according to Ronald Moore, the sequence was entirely Cruz's idea. So initially, the set department had constructed a small-scale sc- cliff on the soundstage for Cruz to climb, and Cruz immediately vetoed this because he wanted the entire sequence to be shot for real. The scene was shot on a cliff 2,000 feet high with no protection on the ground. He was held up by a single safety cable that would catch him if he fell. He never did. Other than that, there was no protection in the air or on the ground. It was shot using several different cameras, shooting at different speeds. Um, So Wu says, quote, we had five cameras on the, cliff, on the cliff, including a helicopter camera, a camera on a crane, and cameramen hanging from safety cables. But we had focus problems, so we had to do it again and again. But Tom would say, I'm okay, John. Don't worry. I want to do it one more time. One question I have about that sequence and Tom Cruise never having fallen is, you know when he jumps backwards and then his back is yeah. to the rock? Like, he just did that? Yes. 
No, he wasn't being pulled up at all. He just no. did that. Wow. Tom it, Cruise. It's called an iron cross. Oh, wait, that's the next thing we actually say. <laughs> um, the, the jump you see Cruise do was done for real and was a 15-foot drop. After falling, Cruise holds himself up by two hands, a position that is called an iron cross. He tore his shoulder filming the shot, and you can see him wince in pain just as the second hand gets hold of the rock. Wow. Um, the scene ultimately took seven takes to get right, and Cruise said of the experience, quote, that was the most fun I've probably ever, I've probably had on the entire picture, and I've had a lot, a lot of fun making this movie. Wow. So the motorcycle chase at the end of the film was originally conceived of as a car chase. Wu decided to change the chase to a motorcycle chase because when he first met Cruz, he realized how fast-paced he was, and he felt that a motorcycle chase was what would best represent Cruz's real-life speed. I love that. <laughs> um, Wu tried to convince Cruz not to do the shot where Ethan rides through flames, but was unsuccessful. Cruz was committed as he believed it would be something an audience had never seen before. The flames were controlled by a flame bar that controlled the level of flame height, but other than that, there's no trick to the stunt. It's just TC riding a motorcycle through fire. In sunglasses. For the end of the chase, Wu wanted Ethan and Ambrose to charge at each other like they were knights. That's how he came up with the idea of Ethan and Ambrose driving towards each other and jumping off their bikes into each other. For the final fight between Ethan Hunt and Sean Ambrose, Cruz wanted something in the same vein as a Bruce Lee fight. This excited Wu as he wanted the final fight to be more personal and without weapons. Stunt coordinator Brian Smurz said that Wu would tell him a vague idea of what he wanted the fight to turn out like. Smurz would then rehearse different versions of the fight with stuntmen Keith Campbell and Billy Mortz. Great name. <laughs> the final fight was rehearsed for three months before Cruz and Wu were able to agree on the general choreography. Even then, the fight was changed on set. For the shot where a knife comes a quarter inch from Cruz's eye, um, this was a last-minute addition to the fight. Um, Wu's initial idea was for Ambrose to pull out a knife in the middle of the fight because he was, quote, evil and mean. <laughs> Ambrose was supposed to jump onto Hunt and almost cut his face on his cheek. Upon hearing the idea, Cruz decided to make the stunt more dangerous. Wu attempted to, to dissuade Cruz, but Cruz reigned supreme. To achieve the stunt, the knife was attached to a cable that would stop it a quarter of an inch away from Cruz's eye. Dugray Scott, who plays Ambrose, would hold the knife, jump on top of Cruz, and push the knife as far down as the cable would go. If Cruz flinched or moved at all, the knife would almost certainly go into his eye. Production wrapped December 15, 1999. The film was riddled with production and creative issues, with Cruz and Wu having many creative disagreements on the script. It was initially meant to be released December of 1999, but because of filming delays and reshoots, it was pushed back to the summer of 2000. It also reached trouble once it reached, reached post-production, as the initial cut of the film was three hours long and received an R rating from the MPAA. Because of this, Paramount hired Stuart Baird to help recut the film once the film's release date was pushed back. He worked on the film for 11 weeks, cut 40 minutes from the film, and brought the film down to a PG-13 rating. Sophia, that was a fun production history. Hit us with some fun facts. Oh, I certainly will. Thank you very much, Parth. So... DeGray Scott was going to play Logan or Wolverine in X-Men, but he was forced to drop out due to shooting going over schedule and was replaced by Hugh Jackman. That would have certainly been interesting casting. I see what they were going for with that, but, but at would, the same time... It wouldn't have been Hugh Jackman. No, it would not have been Hugh Jackman. Um, I don't think he has the same charisma. This was the first movie for which Metallica ever agreed to write a song. In addition, this was the highest grossing movie of 2000. That's surprising. I feel like 2000 was a big, somewhat big movie year. With his percentage, 
deal on profits, royalties, and merchandise. It's said that Tom Cruise was paid the unprecedented sum of $75 million for his work on the movie. The film was shipped to theaters under the name Dollhouse to deter potential thieves. This is the only film in the series where Ethan Hunt doesn't go on the run while accomplishing his mission. Mm. Wow. He doesn't go rogue. Yeah, I guess the whole movie, he's just, he's just with doing, the people, solving yeah. the things. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Sophia, would you like to hear some one-star reviews? Or would you like to say this one-star review? Um, I would love to give some one-star reviews. Let's do it. So, the first one-star review we have here is by Siri. Siri. Of Apple thing. Wow. And a celebrity. Um, she says, involves Tom Cruise. And then the review itself says, need I say more? Tom Cruise has earned enough strikes. Damn. I think your mom wrote this one. <laughs> the The thing that I wonder is, like, does this mean personally or in the film? So the next one is from Joel, and it says, movie was mediocre. Super lame, period. Should have went straight to DVD. Space, period. Says a lot that I didn't mention state to Blu-ray. And Blu-ray spelled with an E. Yeah. Um, so this guy really didn't like it, but also who says straight to Blu-ray? It's always straight to DVD. The other thing that's funny to me is that this is a verified purchase on Amazon. So theoretically he didn't see it in the theater. He purchased it either like rented it or on DVD or whatever. What does he care in 2020 whether or not it was in theaters? Yeah. Um, and then finally we have Reese saying, I did not mean to order this, was looking for the actual DVD. Not a DVD. Fair. <laughs> but like, what is this? What does this mean? I feel like. Oh, they rented it. And yeah, they, didn't they rented mean to rent it. it. Or no. they got like a digital that's, copy. Because that's why I put this on here. Because I like for some reason I like could not understand what this meant. Because I was like, well, you bought the DVD though. Yeah, I feel like with your one star reviews, there's always one of them that's just like, I don't understand how the internet works. Yeah, yeah, we like to put those in those always make trent laugh um but speaking of making trent laugh i assume he's listening to this episode um and i think what would make trent laugh uncontrollably is if we said our thoughts on the movie okay yeah so uh shall we do what we did last week and sort of go through the movie sequentially i would love to so we start off the movie with the initial plane crash situation. Yeah. Yep. And we see the first mask of the film, the first of many. Yeah, the, this is a many masked film. I love the masks in this series, but in this movie in particular, sometimes the masks... Um, would you say they jump the shark? I would say they jump the shark, yeah. Um, for example, even the very first mask reveal we see... This scientist is allegedly close friends with Tom Cruise or Dimitri. Dimitri. Um, and Dimitri. the idea that this guy is a fabulous actor <laughs> to the point where not only can he wear a mask and have Tom Cruise's voice, but he can convince one of Tom Cruise's close friends that he himself well, is you didn't, Tom Cruise. Well, if you didn't know that like masks were a thing and like like photo or like realistic masks and somebody yeah. came in a Parth mask and let's say they were acting a little weird, wouldn't you just be like, Parth, why aren't you acting weird? N- no, because this is such a hyper-specific situation. Like 
this guy is carrying a disease that he's aware could knock out the planet or whatever. I would hope that he would have some level of nervousness about it or something like that, you know, like caution. Sure. But as I've said, the, um, the, these movies are metaphor for making these movies. Yeah. So it's also, all about acting. Another thing that I wanted to say about this opening sequence, the doctor looks crazy. Like, you yeah, know, when I don't... you see Tom Cruise in the first movie in the old age makeup, yeah. he looks like that. Like, he looks like somebody's wearing makeup to look like that and not that he's a guy. He looks like, um, I don't know if you know the bad guy in the Sonic movies. <laughs> or not in the Sonic like movies. Like the egg guy? Yeah, the Eggman. Does he yeah. look a little bit like that? Yeah, yeah, also, I Also, um, I had a business professor that looked a lot like the Eggman brutal yeah no it was wait yeah he absolutely does look like that guy we can't reveal the name due to uh because that, that'd be like mean but he looks crazy yeah he um, kind of looks like the doctor though in this movie he does um he's a Rutgers business professor so i mean if you like want to take the time to look up all Rutgers business professors and you'll probably know who we're yeah, talking about yeah or you can meet me in person and I'll tell you. Yeah. So what do you think of the ori- initial plane crash? Um, It's fine. Yeah, like, I, I feel the same. It's it's like, uh, I, I will say the movie does sort of tell you exactly what kind of movie it is when Tom Cruise goes, you keep calling me Dimitri. You really shouldn't. And then he like, ah, like yeah. hits him to the neck and you hear, don't, don't. And, like, the mission mm-hmm. theme is playing with, like, rock, hard rock music. And it's like, oh, this is a very, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. not the first movie. Um, so it kind of tells you what kind of movie it is. But it is, I will say, it's weird this movie has two openings. Yeah, and the problem is the second opening is much better than the first. Yeah. And I understand how it makes more sense to do the first opening first, like, with the rest of the story, well, you, that yeah, I mean, is you kind come. of have to a little bit, but like the second opening is so good, and that I think would have been a more eye-catching, yeah, start to the film, yeah. Um, and so now that we're getting to the rock climbing sequence, I I always feel like whenever I tell people, no, Cruz did that, they're always like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm surprised by because I feel like people know that he's done much crazier stuff than that. But um, I think that it's because that is not like, oh, it's so crazy that he would do that as much as it's like there's a high level of skill involved because it's not just willingness to put yourself in danger. It's a really high capacity for this particular skill. I guess with like a like for all the mission stunts, he has to do a lot of training. But a lot of the times it's like, oh, this is a thing that just happens Mm -hmm. like him hanging off the side of the airplane like Mm -hmm. There's not necessarily skill that's just like, oh, he did a crazy thing, like, when you're yeah. viewing that. But I guess rock climbing, like, allegedly free soloing yeah. is, you know, yeah, particular. That said, when watching the movie, I said to Parth, free soloing? So stupid. Why would anybody do that for real life ever? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. You don't have a death wish? Like, I get rock climbing and stuff, but, like, just link yourself to something. Yeah. Um... But then we get in, but in this sequence, we get introduced to Tom Cruise or reintroduced to Tom Cruise, but we get introduced to Tom Cruise's hair. Mm. Now, Sophia, we've talked about Tom Cruise's hair last week. He was mm-hmm. short. It's like a crew cut or something. It was like, yeah. um, uh, like he'd come out of the military and this is polar opposite mm-hmm. longest it ever comes in the series. What are your thoughts on Cruise's hair in this movie? I prefer it in the first. 
Surprisingly. Wow. Wow. I don't love long straight hair, I think. I, it's so mm. straight. I'm sure they're straightening it. It's if it were if it had a little bit of movement or wave or something, I'm sure that I'd be more on board with this cuz as I said before, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I do love long hair on men. Um wow, this is but surprising. I don't I don't like it's a little Fabio for me. <laughs> um I'm interested to see how you th- what do you think of the hair in three and four because this movie follows a strict short hair long hair short hair long Mm -hmm. hair until the sixth movie Mm -hmm. and it seems though that uh seventh movie he has short hair and then eighth movie he has long hair so uh sixth movie is the only one where he has short hair and an even numbered one so we'll i'll be interested to see how this progresses yeah i also in coming into this movie i knew that tom cruise had longer hair in this film right and in the last review i said i think that the transition from the shorter crew cut in the first film into this haircut where he has the long hair after being disavowed and he's on vacation he's coming back i felt like that makes sense sort of a rebellion vibe but you don't get the rebellion energy at any point from him really you know i don't feel like he doesn't want to be in the imf on any level sure but what i why i do think that it thematically makes sense with the movie is because tom cruise is a pretty boy in this film oh he's he's so pretty he's having so, sex with a sexy lady so that brings us to the so we get to the title card and yeah. then we come to spain where mm-hmm. he goes to seduce naya nordoff hall mm-hmm. crazy name um crazy names all around yeah but i think tom cruise looks his best in this movie when he's like first sees um Tandyway newton um he looks like they're like, I showed this movie to Sarah Brotman, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up in that scene, Sarah went, oh, my God, I get it. <laughs> um, anyways, which shows you a little something about who Sarah's interested in. <laughs> yep. Um, thankfully, she does not listen to this show. Um, but anyway, so then we get um, uh, Naya breaking in and like stealing in the bathroom with Tom Cruise there. And um, what do you think of the sequence? I think that it doesn't make sense in certain ways. I think it's fun to see... Something in Mission Impossible 2 doesn't make sense. (laughs) Okay. I think it's fun to have juxtaposition between good boy Tom Cruise and, like, thief lady, and they're both sexy. The boob shot goes crazy. There's a top-down shot where um, Naya is on top of uh, Ethan... And she's sitting up and he's laying down and it just really goes down, looks down her yeah. shirt. So whenever you see his dialogue in the shot reverse shot, you're yeah. looking at Tom Cruise's face and her boobs only, no other part of her body are yeah. in the shot because of course, and I'm wondering about where the camera was, like was her head bent backwards? How did they get this to look like this? Yeah. Crazy. Truly. It, it's crazy. Um, the other thing that I think is funny is that Tom Cruise, I suppose, is some security director at this house that he's at. Yeah. And. But he's done this in the span of 20 or of, yeah, 24 hours. Yeah. And Naya is upset because Tom Cruise doesn't let her get away with it. But he caught you stealing and then didn't. He works from the for this company. Why do you think that he would just let you steal yeah she doesn't know he's item. a spy yet or something yeah i just i thought that was a funny strange thing like wouldn't you be like damn i got caught not like hey damn you yeah 
So then um, she gets pissed, she leaves, and then we have the car chase, Mm -hmm. which is them meeting, and then they slightly crash, and then their cars link up, and they swirl around, and we see them in slow motion. Yeah, and this, the slow motion twisting really reminds me of, like, a Bollywood film, and I think that there's a lot of elements of this movie that really are reminiscent (laughs) of Bollywood, There, which... I think is fun for the film, especially if you're reading it that way. Like, yeah. if you just indulge in the over-the-topness, the Tom Cruise is so sexy and Nia is so sexy and they're just beautiful and in love and they're solving And this is crimes. where they become, become in love. Uh, yeah, this scene, yeah. Um, and it's, it's so over-the-top, hairs flowing, slow motion. Um, and there is something really fun about it. This is the first time we see, again, some of their... The unnecessary wreckage of the film, where yes. Tom Cruise will act like he's like a pacifist, right? And he's sort of, Ethan Hunt's supposed to be somewhat of a pacifist throughout these films. But like they crash into another car and they're just like, sorry, whatever. Like they're causing this like mass disturbance and disruption in this ridiculous car chase, just like as a cute little flirtatious thing, which seems like it doesn't totally thematically work with the Ethan Hunt character, but no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, f- after this, they fall in love. They then sleep together. And I was surprised how early in the film <laughs> you see them sleep together. It's like 20 minutes into the movie and you're yeah. like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just got right to it. Yeah. And then he gets his mission mm-hmm. from Anthony Hopkins. You want, do you know his name in the movie? No. Would you like me to tell you his name? Sure. Mission Commander Swanbeck. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Just like, why was that what they chose? Um, Anyways, and then he learns that his mission is that Naya needs to go infiltrate um, Ambrose's compound Mm -hmm. and, like, start a, resume a prior relationship with him. Mm -hmm. In order to get secrets about what is this guy doing. Yeah. Um, and then we see him, Agent Swanbeck, says uh, the first of a couple misogynistic comments. Oh, the movie. To, uh, Tom Cruise says she has no training for this. And Mission Commander Swanbeck says, what, go to a bed with a man and lie to him? She's a woman. So, yeah, I she has all the training she needs. This is my biggest problem with this movie is that there are some clear misogynistic themes and things happening. And I think that they're trying there. There is an element that's clear that they're trying to say, like, these guys are bad and Tom Cruise is not because Tom Cruise is not really the one. No, he's say, I don't think he's ever he ever. Yeah does or says anything particularly misogynistic yeah um but i i still feel like it's it's a weird weird theme and vibe to give to the movie because it's not like this agent swanbeck is like an evil guy either no he's 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 the good guy yeah he's like the kittredge yeah yeah um yeah i mean it's weird so this movie so Tom Cruise is a big lover of, like, classic Hollywood cinema, like, like 30s till 60s movies, mm-hmm. um, which maybe we'll get into later on in this series. And so this movie is a loose remake of a Hitchcock movie, Notorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and that was something that Cruise was pushing pretty hard because he just loves, like, Hitchcock and, like, old movies like mm-hmm. that. But I think... 
he was wrong to do it in this movie. I don't think it fits mission. And I don't think that it like these movies are pretty clear cut, good guy, bad guy movies. Mm -hmm. And notorious is not that like, like those kinds of movies are like morally gray. And like, this is like, these aren't good people, but the problem is you're supposed to like still root for the IMF in this. Yeah. And like, I think that like, it's just, like, not the thing that Mission is, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this telling of the what they're supposed to be doing gets us into the next sort of moment in the film where we do see Naya and Ambrose. They get back together because she they yeah. have work out some. She goes to jail or something like that, yeah. and he needs to save her. Um, and this gets into my other big problem with the movie is that essentially we are – meant to believe that for the entirety of the time that she's spending with Ambrose, she's being regularly assaulted by him. Yeah. And I think that they don't make that gray. It's very clear that that is what's happening. And then throughout the movie, you see her saying to Ethan or to their team in general, like, you need to get me out of here as soon as possible. I need to get out of here. Like, it's horrible here. And we're meant to understand that this is because she's being raped regularly. And I feel like this is so weird in the movie. I think that they could have made this like a, maybe this is what's going on, but we don't actually know what's going on. Well, I just don't think it needs- with the dress, it just feels so, I don't know. It feels like tonally too dark for the movie, I think, to be like, this agent has to be getting raped well, because I don't by because, this man, because I think evil. even, you know, I think it's the wrong decision to have it in as a story point. But even if you were to do it, it either needs to go darker or it needs to not be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird to have that one scene where he's like, put this where Ambrose is like, put this dress on. And then mm-hmm. she starts taking her clothes off and then tries to put the dress on. And he like stops her from doing that and goes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's like a weird moment that honestly if you cut that moment yeah it would read everything would read very differently he would still read as like an evil abusive man but it wouldn't mm-hmm. be that she's like forced to like do these like sexual yeah things that i think that scene to me like it's not that it's a bad thing necessarily because he is the bad guy that is doing that but it feels too much and it feels like we're seeing, you don't actually see, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. You don't see any nudity, but you do see that she is naked and she's this attractive woman. And he's saying like, oh, I don't need you to put on that dress quite yet, you know? And she's clearly not interested in that and uncomfortable, uncomfortable changing in front of him in the first place. Um, with, And then he's saying like, you don't need your own bed. We'll share my bed, stuff like this, that I think it is too far. And it makes me question like, I think they were trying to make it like, see, this guy's really bad, but we already knew that he was evil because of yeah. everything that's already happened. I don't think that needs to be made clearer. If anything, what I think it, they should have done with him is made him almost slightly goofier, if that makes sense. Yeah, Taking I out agree. that scene and making him, made him sort of like a goofy dude. he's kind of like a brat, this yeah. whole movie. Where he's like, this, 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 my movie. Yeah. And so he's like that the whole movie. And like- I think they should have played into that more. I mean, this series becomes more lighter toned and like that kind of villain Mm -hmm. would feel more at home as the series progresses. I think this movie, you can tell they're trying to see what this series is. But I think that if he were 
like a goofy kind of douche yeah. rat guy. And he's like, well, I want to take you on a date or something like that. It just feels like you would get the point across that she clearly does not want to be in this situation. He's shitty. She doesn't want to be there. But it's not yeah, what it's, we see, which is yeah. too far, I think. Yeah. Um, but then the movie just enters this like lull period for like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Where, like, pretty much nothing happens. They go to a horse race. They mm-hmm. abduct um, Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Um, they basically learn that the plot of this movie is that the scientist guy from the beginning stole or created both a cure for, like, influenzas, but in doing that created a super virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the person, that Mad-Eye Moody, or Brendan Gleeson, but we're just mm-hmm. going to call him Mad-Eye Moody, or the guy from Banshees of Inisharan, um, he wants the super virus so that he can sell the cure yeah. to the super virus. And it becomes, so this is something that we've talked about a few times in watching movies, but in a post-pandemic world, you cannot have movies about viruses in the same way that you could have yeah. before. I mean, I can't like wholly fault this movie yeah. because like, well, it's not its fault yeah. that we lived through a pandemic. Yeah. But it is like so much of it seems so patently ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I mean, like to move forward, basically, they try to do this transaction Right? Yeah. Is that what's next? Yeah. Well, this is at sort of nearing the end of the film. Yeah. But there's really not that much that happens in between. Other than one key thing that happens in between is the evil guy dresses up oh, as yeah, Ethan yeah. Hunt and is like, I'm going to get you out soon. Like, Tanaya, right? They're outside. He's in a mask and a voice modifier. And he's like, I'm going to get you out soon. You're going to come with us. You just have to do everything he says. The evil guy says. From now or Ambrose, right? What everything Ambrose says. And she's like, okay, fine, I will. Like, it's just so hard to be here, which is another indication that it's really uncomfortable. I think this whole scene was uncomfortable to me because of her desperation. Yeah. And you were so uncomfortable because you thought Tom Cruise, like, like, or like yeah, Ethan Hunt yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. It. And we find out that it is Ambrose in a mask. And so this makes it much better because it feels before when you see Tom Cruise saying like, no, it's fine, baby. Like, you got to do everything he says, doing it, whatever. That's uncomfortable. But then it's it's not Tom Cruise. It's Ambrose, which makes more sense, but also doesn't make sense because he has an indication that he's been double crossed by Naya. But he has no idea that Tom Cruise is the one involved in it. Yeah. Or that they had a romantic relationship. Like, he doesn't know. Anything. Anything, or at least we have no reason to think that he would know yeah. anything. So it just, like, doesn't and, and make a sense. very a very simple fix is that at this horse race, they should have seen Tom Cruise there. Yeah. And been like, oh, something's up. Yeah. Because you have the henchman chasing Naya, and the henchman gets stopped by the door, whatever, right? Um, but you could have just had him run forward anyways, and then see the two of them together, make some connection about that, and come back. To yeah. Ambrose about it. I don't even think you need to see the two of them having a conversation about it. You just need to put somebody in there seeing the two of them at that bedding table together. Yeah. Um, but then um, Ethan breaks into Biosite, destroys most of the Chimera virus, but keeps a little bit of it. And then um, Ambrose gets there and brings Naya. And then Naya injects herself with the last of the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, because then she can't be killed because she's the only person with mm-hmm. chimera virus. And then this is where it gets like confusing as to how chimera the works. Makes 
Because, like, Ethan is able to, like, talk with her, like, very closely. And we know that after the 20-hour mark, you cannot be cured anymore. Like, it's very clear-cut. You need to get it before 20 hours, which, again, is not how illnesses work. There's not, like, a... There's one moment at which, after that, it's all, like, what... What about tw- 20 hours in one minute? And also, or like, 19 hours in 59 as, minutes. As we learned in the pandemic, the way the most deadly viruses are not ones that kill quickly. They're actually yes. ones that don't kill quickly because it needs to be able to transmit itself to as many yeah. people possible for it to actually be deadly, mm-hmm. which is why, like, if. Yeah, I mean, anyways, yeah. we, I don't need to give a history lesson, yeah. but like, you know. And then by like the about 27 hours, I think it was, the person had died or was yeah. essentially dead. Um, that's what we know about the illness and that it has this super cure that'll just like fix you up in a second <clears throat> too, right? Um, after this, we see Ambrose saying to the Mad-Eye Moody, who's like a pharmaceuticals guy, yeah. like, I'm going to put Naya out into the middle of this busy town can you get how how quickly, how quickly can, can you, you mass make produce mass the, produce the cure the cure so that we can get it out as quickly as possible and he's like immediately or something yeah. and Parts' father works for Pfizer and well I mean we all, all saw we saw how it did not happen we made a vaccine in November yeah and it was approved in December I think people were not vaccinated till March yeah <laughs> and know? even that approval process like this is not yeah. like. It's not tested about it. If the people are going to die within about within 48 hours, let's say they'll be 100 percent. They're dead. How on earth, even if you had all of them ready, how are you going to physically get them to the people? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. And then that gets into the question of like, how is it transmitted? Yeah, because she doesn't. It's very unclear how it's how do they keep any. A, how do they keep the chimera with them if Naya's the one that has it? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just hoping that she infects enough people that, like, enough people will, like, give it... Anyway, it, none of it yeah. makes any sense. And but, then when she's with Ethan in close proximity, yeah, he doesn't have any fear yeah. of transmitting it. Yeah. So it's very unclear how this disease works. Yeah. Um, But Ethan breaks... Then um, we get our craziest mask reveal yet yeah where ethan gets into a fight with one of ambrose's goons and then we see that like the goon brings ethan in to ambrose ambrose then shoots ethan like four times and there's crazy music and everyone's horrified at this evil man yeah like this is like the most like evil looking man you've ever seen um and then but i'm like they just killed a bunch of people like they ethan hunt himself let's talk about how in the last movie you said no, Ethan Hunt does not shoot a gun. Ethan Hunt yeah. certainly shoots a gun in this movie. Um, he kills a lot of people, and not like I don't think it's. In a He's not shown way, to be it's... like um like he enjoys yeah the process, which is uh, one thing I like about Ethan Hunt. Even in this movie, is it doesn't seem like. He, he's kind of a reluctant hero. Yeah. He doesn't want to do the things that he has to do mm-hmm. to save the world. But this movie is probably him at his bloodthirstiest. Yeah, because you have multiple, a gun in each hand. He's walking yeah. through a fiery Which, building. Which, like, in the action fan in me looks at that and is like, this is like a little, this is kind yeah. of awesome. But, but it isn't mission, I think. Yeah, because you see that, like, let's say John Wick, he's a hero, and and he kills a billion people, right? Yeah. But the theme of John Wick is not John Wick hates killing. No, and it's that, like, John Wick 
is a bad guy yeah. ultimately in the end. Um, he is not a good person yeah. versus the, and again, this is kind of what we spoke about last week, which is that mission is not about head on action necessarily. It's about myth. The, the fun of mission is in misdirection Yeah, and like tricking. Yeah. Um, which is why the masks are fun in this movie, but yeah. it's sort of the only trickery in almost the entire movie. Yeah, pretty much. There's no like, ah, oh, we got him yeah. or something like that other than that. Um, but yeah, so this, so the, uh, Ambrose then takes the mask off of Ethan, what he thinks is Ethan, and it reveals that it was actually his goon and that Ethan has a mask of the goon as well that he's been wearing and a voice modifier and a voice modifier so that means he came into this place with a mask of the goon and of himself and of a voice modifier yeah and that means that they in the short period of time that they were in a corridor fighting together he was able to switch all of their clothes put the mask put the masks on and the masks look like dirty and stuff like they've been scrimmaging and stuff too you know so i guess he got them a little roughed up whatever maybe he came in with the masks looking like that and then he's able to drag this guy in it just is it's just nonsense it's this is i feel like this to me is the helicopter scene in mission (laughs) one each movie i'm sure will have like that one thing that goes too far and to me that is this mask scene because it, it theoretically is fun i do enjoy the masks but it just makes no fucking sense i, I also think that like to me this wouldn't the logic of this would not wholly matter if the movie wasn't so mask crazy yeah the problem is that like i think it happens so many times that by the end you're like oh my god like of course it's a mask and yeah. like now you're starting to think about it because there's other illogical mask t- ch- changes that happen yeah. in the series but i think that um chris mccory who later comes into the series basically says you can have two mask reveals in the movie yeah one at the beginning to set it up and one that happens later on in the movie to be like what yeah and i think that this mask because just like the ridiculousness of Ethan coming with a mask of both himself and this particular goon. It's not even like it's Ambrose or something. Yeah. Like it's one it, and then it's his main goon, I guess, but still. Yeah. And then pretty much the next half hour of the movie or 20 minutes of the movie is just like an action pursuit where Ethan's team gets Naya, Ethan fights Ambrose. Ethan kills Ambrose, Mm -hmm. and then they saved Naya. Yeah, and you see that motorcycle fight, which I do prefer motorcycles to cars, I think, in this instance. I think it fits the vibe. I also think that on a motorcycle, you can actually see Tom Cruise, you know? You're not just seeing a a vehicle that anybody could be in, which I think is better. The... There are certain things that don't make sense, but I think are fun. Like Tom Cruise riding through the fire, hilarious, funny. The two of them flying at each other from the motorcycles. Like nobody is under the impression that that's supposed to have any amount of plausibility. I think it's just like fun and over the top. And I enjoy that. And this this is where the Bollywoodness of the movie kind of really comes through. And something I like, and one of the things that I like about the Mission series is, as I said last week, um... You get these different directors to bring their sensibilities to these spy movies, and John Woo is this maximalist um, Chinese director, maybe Hong Kong? I don't remember. But um, he's an Asian cinema director, and I think that that is probably, like, a little bit more similar to, like, Indian movies, or at least Hindi cinema movies. And so there's a part of me, having grown up watching Bollywood movies, that watches this and goes, wow, it's 
Oh, Taiwanese. Wow. Anyways, um, there's a part of me that grew up watching Bollywood movies, watching this that feels very, I don't know, validated is pretty like strong of a word, but like kind of like, oh, this is like kind of nice to see this in like a Tom Cruise big budget Mm -hmm. action movie. And I think, again, it shows a lot of uh, Tom Cruise just gives himself up to Mm -hmm. this director and his style and I think that that's a very cool thing to see. I think this last like 20, 30 minutes uh, for an, as an action fan, like is really fun. They, they create a lot of fun scenarios, the, the, the slow-mo, the editing, mm-hmm. the hair, it's all like, yeah, it's all kind of what I'd like from this movie. And I think, again, the problem with this movie, if this movie was an hour and a half long, I think it'd be okay. Yeah. Because that would be like, all right, fine. Like. It's, like, stupid, but, like, it only lasts an hour and a mm-hmm. half. The problem is there's a middle half hour yeah. that is so boring. Yeah. Where nothing happens. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you have, like, the team recruitment and stuff like that, but you don't... There's no banter. There's But no, they're, like, in a house yeah. in the middle of nowhere yeah. doing nothing for the majority yeah. of the movie. Um. Which then makes you, at least for me, me feel even worse for Naya, who's in this horrible yeah. situation, it and doesn't they're even, just, like, hanging out. Because it doesn't even feel like, oh, we gotta get Naya out of there, we yeah. gotta, like, it feels very passive and not active, yeah. and that's not mission, in my yeah. opinion. And it feels like after Naya has gotten that information from the tape at the horse race from right. him, there's no reason for her to still be there. No, they there isn't. gotten her out of there there's nothing, at that point. Yeah, they don't learn anything from her yeah. after that. Um, it's really only so that she can be at biocyte at the end. Yeah, it's... And, it, and infected yeah. with Chimera. It's kind of just a plot requirement. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we have going on at the same time as this fight is the other members of the team going to pick up Naya, who's about to kill yeah. herself. Girl, wait 20 minutes. You can get the cure and then yeah. you'll be fine. I don't understand the... Or just like wait to the end of the 20 hours at yeah, least. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because um, she doesn't know they're coming to pick her up, but at least just wait. Yeah, see what yeah. happens. Um, the other thing is that they say that they have dropped her off. Ambrose says we're dropping her off in the middle of a busy area or whatever. And... Sure, we we assume sort of like she was in this busy area and then she traveled to sort of this coast, whatever. But did she infect people? Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of stress about the fact that this deadly virus has apparently been released to thousands of people, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of stress about this. And that's part of what's confusing to me is like, was she dropped off in the busy area? I thought they were going to be like, we got to get her out of there as soon as possible, so that she's not infecting people. And that was never, we never see her, like, infecting people. We're never worried about her infecting people. So I don't really know yeah. what that's about. That doesn't make sense to me. No. Uh, one one in a very long list of things that don't make sense in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's Mission Impossible 2, yeah. I think. I love, in the last fight sequence, I do love all the kicking. There's so much Tom yeah. Cruise kicks this guy probably 400 times yeah and and some of these kicks like are straight to the head and like you can see that it's like real contact yeah it's it's goofy it is wild it goes on for so long they're they keep kicking each other forever i also love that ambrose having a concealed knife is supposed to show that he's mean and evil like (laughs) where but then tom cruise shoots ambrose like four times in the end like so when ambrose is 
shooting who he thinks is Tom Cruise four times. He's evil. Ambrose having a concealed knife when they're fighting with guns in the beginning of the fight makes him mean and evil. And then Tom Cruise shooting him is not seen as mean and evil. And I don't even have a problem with Tom Cruise shooting him, but it's like, you can't be like, this guy's so evil for doing the same thing. I mean, John Woo seems like kind of like a romantic, like, like, oh, yeah, like my movie, like, Mm -hmm. like that kind of guy. The dove. Oh, the doves are pretty amazing in this movie when they happen. Because I told Sophia, like, this guy is known for having doves in his movies. And Sophia's like, there's only pigeons here. And then the shot happens where doves Mm -hmm. happen. And Sophia's like, ah, I see. But um, there's a quote I left out of this production history where he says that, the um the reason they have the rock climbing thing at the beginning of the movie is because they wanted to show that Ethan Hunt was somebody who was free and cared about nature or something <laughs> like that. So like this guy's a little like you know out there. He's a little artsy, we'll yeah. put it. Um which I think is fun. I don't know that it works so much for this movie, but I'm There's a lot about this movie that doesn't work, but there's also a lot about this movie that I can find enjoyment in. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe we should feel the heat right now? It's getting sort of warm down here. My skin! So, Sophia, don't do this so quickly like you did last time. this movie would you rewatch this movie would your mom like this movie and i think i know we all can kind of guess the three answers to these yeah and for the fourth one what would you rate this out of 10 i would say i don't know who i would recommend this movie <laughs> maybe to. recommend it to parth <laughs> i would recommend this movie to parth so yes i would recommend it but only to parth i mean for a first watch i i th- think it's fun it really and I can see how this was a fun movie to watch in theaters. You know what yeah, I mean? When yeah, yeah, absolutely. Out. I think that if this is, if you just want like an action movie that's like sort of fun and goofy, whatever, I think it's this a fun is way good to spend for two that. Hours. Um, though I don't know if I like if a friend reached out to me and said like, "Hey, I want to watch a movie. What you watch?" That I would say Mission Impossible Two. Probably not, right? Yeah. But I would recommend it to Barth. <laughs> um, would I rewatch it? Um, I'm not looking to rewatch it, but I'm not like wholly opposed to rewatching well, that's it. Kind of, that's more positive than I thought it would be. Like, I'm not if I'm in a group but of in people like, in and like they're the like, next, "We want to watch yeah, it." In the next ten years, if you had to watch it, you wouldn't be pissed. No, I wouldn't be pissed. I wouldn't look to watch it. I don't want to watch it in the next six months. But like, sure. after that, that's fine. Sure. Um, my mom wouldn't want to watch it. She doesn't like Tom Cruise, and this is Tom Cruise, maybe not at his best, anyways. So no. Though this is him at the height of his, like, this is, you can tell this is, like, Tom Cruise at his most fucking Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And she doesn't like that, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So, no, my mom, I wouldn't recommend it to her. I don't think she'd like it. And what I would give it, I was saying this to Park before, just as, like, a precursor to my rating, is I want to have a spread of ratings so that I can see, like, how my opinions about the different movies panned out. So I think that I'm going to be more negative than I maybe would be. If this was just some movie you were watching? If this was just some movie. Wow, I'm like, are we getting, like, Gone Girl territory? I'm thinking a three or a four. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought you would give it. I mean, I'm only giving this a five out of ten. But the five, because I, A, big Tom Cruise fan, so there's a lot in there for me. B, 
I do love action movies, so even though it's not great, I can watch the scenes of action and find a lot of enjoyment in that. Mm-hmm. I am not, like, unaware, though, of... This movie doesn't hold together yeah. particularly well. Yeah, and I think the problem is that really fundamentally it loses some of the core elements of what makes a Mission Impossible movie from what I understand. Like, you lose some things about Ethan Hunt that I think are important and you also lose what I think is the most fun, which is the, like, scheming, the creating a plan, the, like, the trickery, the magic, sort of. Like, you don't get that in this movie. I think you're gonna like the mask stuff in the next movie. I like the masks. No, but like I, because the next movie you see them make masks. Yeah, and but um, you see that in, um, which one am I thinking? Fallout. They're making the masks. Uh, yes, but this is the first movie where you okay. see it. Like, I would say this is the best making okay. the mask stuff. Um, um, so yeah, but so I guess that brings us to oh my thing. I guess mm-hmm. um, I would recommend it to somebody that enjoys Mission. It's just worth watching for that factor, or anybody that likes a movie. But with the asterisk of, like, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, I'm a mission guy. I will rewatch this for the rest of my life, probably. It's a contract I've signed, a deal with the devil, Tom Cruise. Um, and my mom is a fan of this movie. She watched it when it came out in theaters. She said of the scene where the cars link up and they go in a circle and it's in slow-mo and then um, Naya falls in love with Ethan Hunt. She said it was magical to watch in cinemas. I love um, that she said that. And she was like, it was amazing, the stunts. And um, so there's a lot of nostalgia for it for her, I think, there. And yeah, as I said, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this week's movie was a little disappointing. But next week's movie, I'm a bigger fan of. Uh, next week's movie is one of the first movies I s- remember seeing in theaters as a child. Oh, what year? 2006. I was wow. five. Oh. Yeah. I was five. It takes place in Rome. Mm-hmm. And we went to Rome like a few months afterwards. And my dad was like, "That's the wall where Tom Cruise climbs up." Is it? No, they <laughs> it, it, they they built anyway. We'll get into it next week. Okay. But um, Mission Impossible Three, this time J.J. Abrams style. Um, next week you'll you'll uh, tomorrow or day after for Sophia and I. But um, you guys will get to hear it next week. Um, Sophia, if they want to listen to these episodes, where should they listen to them? They should absolutely listen to them on any platform where you can get your podcast. So we have Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, right? Um, you know, those places. <laughs> Pandora, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, I know anywhere. I not any of those. Yeah, I know. Um, we wonder who does. <laughs> Anyways, um, go... Who's, if you're a Stitcher user, let us know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> For all the Stitch heads out there. Um, yeah, so go check us out there. And you maybe leave some follows, some likes, some, yeah, some reviews. positive reviews. Yeah, and go check us out on Instagram and Twitter. And other than that, bye guys. See you next bye. week.